Thank you for hitting the download and subscribe button on iTunes and Google Play. This is Steven Jensen. You're listening to the Fight Talk Podcast. Today's episode is part two of my conversation with Doug Bateman. He was on last week. We talked a whole bunch of pro wrestling. This week, we come on and we talk about a whole bunch of MMA. Uh, we're going to do UFC 216 predictions. We're also going to talk about a whole bunch of other stuff. We talk the Bellator signings from, uh, from the UFC, some of the bigger signings they've had. We talked Tito Ortiz's future, Chuck Liddell, Rashad Evans. We even talked Ben Shapiro, believe it or not. We talk about you know whether or not USADA is a good thing for the UFC. We talk MMA versus boxing. We talk CM Punk. We talk a whole bunch more. It's a great conversation, so I'm glad you're here listening to it. Uh, before we get started, make sure to check out Heroes and Legends, celebrating 15 years in business. They specialize in action figures, vintage magazines and programs, DVDs, autograph memorabilia, and other unique pro wrestling memorabilia. Make sure to follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at HL Pro Wrestling, and catch them live at WrestleCade in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. That's going to be November the 25th. I plan on being there live myself. Um, and also, Ken Shamrock and Dan Severn are going to be there, two massive legends in the world of mixed martial arts, as well as professional wrestling, telling stories, doing autographs, taking pictures, the whole deal. It's going to be a great time. You will not want to miss out November the 25th at WrestleCade in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Also, shout out to WrestleRumble.com. Go on there right now, uh, get ready for the, it's going to be Hell in a Cell, WWE Hell in a Cell, that's going to be coming up uh, very soon, and then TLC after that, I believe there's going to be Russell Rumble uh, pick-em contest for all those shows, so stay up to date with everything they do on Twitter at Russell Rumble, and check out the merchandise on WrestleRumble.com as well, they do the best pick-em contests out there for pro wrestling, a lot of cash, a lot of prizes, it's, it's top-notch, it's great stuff, check it out once again at WrestleRumble.com and follow them on Twitter at Russell Rumble. Also, shout out to Williamson Brothers Barbecue. Williamson Brothers Barbecue, they have the best sauce in the world. All natural, gluten-free ingredients, delicious stuff. They have three physical locations in the Atlanta, Georgia area. And you can find their stuff online. It's really easy. Just jump on walmart.com, search Williamson Bros in the search tab, or jump on williamsonbros.com. Check out their whole line of products and services. It's great stuff. And you can even find it in Whole Foods, uh, Kroger, Publix, a whole bunch of places. So check it out. Once again, uh, Williamson Brothers Barbecue. And last but not least, check out Brian Jensen at Delgado Boxing. He is a USA boxing coach, personal trainer, and MMA conditioning expert out of Delgado Boxing in Sandy Springs, Georgia. That's in the Atlanta, Georgia area. Give him a call at 404-316-4516 or email him directly at brian at delgadoboxing.net. That is B-R-Y-A-N at delgadoboxing.net. If you want to learn how to throw hands, get in better shape, learn self-defense, or polish up existing skills, just hit him up. And also make sure to follow him on Instagram at BMJ MMA. Get a knockout workout without getting knocked out. Hit up Brian Jensen at Delgado Boxing right now. So without any further ado, kick back, relax, and enjoy this conversation. Me and Doug Bateman talking a whole bunch of MMA as well as our UFC 216 predictions here on the Fight Talk Podcast. Transition over to MMA, man. Do you want to talk some UFC 216? Yeah. Did you uh, Did you listen to uh, the conference call today with Kevin Lee and Tony Ferguson? <laughs> I saw the transcript of it, man. I haven't I haven't seen the foot. I saw the footage on mute when I was watching the football game. I didn't want to bother uh, the person who was uh, watching it with me. But I I pulled the uh, I pulled the the clip up and I saw what they apparently had said to each other. Uh, go ahead and talk about that, man. Um, and, and what I love about this 
this fight is a star could be born in this fight. And I think Tony is a little off the handle. I think he's weird, but I think he could get that. He won't get that Diaz popularity, but he could get that, um, you know, the UFC lacks Mexican stars, and he could be that guy, but he could also appeal to an American audience as well because, you know, he will talk trash, and he will, he's just kind of ruthless, he's just kind of savage, like, after a while, he just doesn't care, um, and with Kevin Lee, I mean, honestly, I think if he wins, Conor McGregor has met his match on the microphone because I think they can go toe-to-toe, and I think he can really uh, give it right back to Conor. And uh, it's pretty impressive. He's, he, he's very intelligent, and he, he he can really talk some trash, and it's not just garbage. It's some, some pretty truthful stuff, so... I really enjoyed the rise of Kevin Lee. I had no idea really about Kevin Lee until I saw that Michael Chiesa in his press conference. I was like, who's this dude dressed up like this? Like, why is this a headline card? Like, I don't know who this guy is. But by the time that that thing was over and they were throwing punches at each other, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this. And then, you know, I thought he beat Chiesa pretty soundly. And then he did that little interview thing with Tony Ferguson on Fox Sports. And after that, man, I started digging up highlights and looking at old fights and stuff. And um, yeah, I'm really pumped for this fight. I think it's a great fight, and I think that if Kevin Lee or Tony can make enough noise, it might be enough to get Connor to fight them. Because I think Nate Diaz has completely outpriced himself if he thinks he's getting twenty, thirty million dollars. Like that's just total nonsense. So. Um, Okay, cool. So we'll get official predictions here in a second. We we actually talked about that a little while back, me and you on Twitter. Um, we were just talking. I think you would just like ask me just randomly, like, what do you think about Kevin Lee uh, maybe getting a shot? Or maybe it was right after this fight got made. I can't remember exactly the timeline. But you were on the Kevin Lee hype train for sure. Like, you were you were like, man, I want – and I couldn't disagree. I, I also do hope he treads lightly, though, because – I also don't like seeing guys like him with so much potential build themselves up to a spot that they they're just not ready for yet. He still hasn't. He's still he's still fairly new to this whole UFC. No, I, agree. And I mean, he's won like five in a row, but I mean, you look at his record, and he lost uh, like Dos Santos, Leonardo Dos Santos. They were saying what was that guy's name? Uh, yeah, Leonardo Santos, and um, he got knocked out in the first round in that fight. But then he was one five straight after that, and he lost to Ally Quinta as well. So, you know, in my opinion, Tony Ferguson's better than both of them. But I am a firm believer in not um, doubting somebody just because you just don't know how good they are until they fight top-level competition. Like, six, seven in a row, and... You just don't know how good they are until they get that shot. And so that's what I love about this fight. We're going to find out how good Kevin Lee is. And we're going to find out if all those wars that Tony Ferguson had to go through just to get to this spot has wore down on him. Um, and so I, I love the fight. I, and I think that's the true number one contender, whoever wins this fight. So. Oh, yeah, man. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree. You know, you were mentioning Lee. You know, you never... You never know until you get a shot in there. You know, my, 
my my best example of that recently is Cody Garbrandt. Like I did not expect him to go in there and do what he did to Dominic Cruz. And I was one of those guys that was like, Garbrandt looks good. He looks real good. But like, I don't know if he's ready for this. And he was definitely ready for it. So we don't know. You could look at the, the Volcron and Ostomir guy or whatever. Like if, if you would have said like he's going to fight Jimmy Minowal, a lot of people would think like, oh, I don't know if he's ready for that. And then he just completely, you know, steamrolls him. For so. sure. For sure. You just don't know. Like, okay, so let's say he gets the next title shot in D.C. I mean, who's to say he doesn't just go there and smoke D.C.? We just don't know. And until these guys get the actual shots, then let's make it happen. I mean, in a, in a time where it's all about money fights and all this stuff, like, this is a pure fight. To me, this is like the, the Canelo Triple G fight of MMA. And so um, I'm, I'm really excited about the fight. All right, awesome, good deal. We'll get a, we'll get an official prediction on that in a second. I'm going to start with the beginning of the main card real quick. We only have four fights on there as of now because the Jessica I Paige Van Zant fight got canceled. I think yesterday or a few days ago. Yeah, she's um, got all sorts of issues, like three different things or something. She's messed up on. So. Oh, it's too bad. So as far as the four fights that we're going to talk about, first up we got Vanille Daryush versus Evan Dunham. Uh. Man, I still remember back in the day, I don't know if you remember this, Evan Dunham fought Sean Shirk back at UFC 119 and yeah. and beat him. And it was like the yeah. worst decision I'd ever seen. I'll never get over that. Yeah. Um, no, like, and Evan, Dunham, Evan Dunham's been around a while. I just, you know, I don't think he's ever going to be like that title guy. He's more kind of like a, a gatekeeper type guy. So we'll see, but I'm not expecting much. It's kind of weird, though, because I feel like some of the prelim fights are bigger than the, the main card. That happens every now and then. But, like, Will Brooks versus Nick Lentz, to me, is a much bigger fight um, that I'm more interested in. Dude, that's a good point. Hey, let's, t- let's talk about this one. He might be out. Sorry, who was that? Oh, you could be right. I mean, he came in with so much hype um, yeah. and has not has not really lived up to it. Nick Lentz is, is, is a tough matchup. I, oh, speaking of that, one thing I want to bring up before we get into Bellator, man, I did not expect Paul Daly to knock out Lorenz Larkin, and I, I definitely am surprised that Lorenz Larkin has already taken two L's because I was... I'm a, I'm a fan of Lorenz Larkin, and it just goes to show you the, the, the quality of fighters that are, are in Bellator, and that, you know, because Lorenz Larkin, you could probably break him in the top five in that division in the UFC, and he's just taking two L's in Bellator. So, oh, yeah. Dude, I... This fight between Douglas Lima and Rory McDonald, you could argue both of those guys could be Tyron Woodley, and Rory already has, so... Um, Dude, yeah, Bellator's doing some good stuff over there, man. Uh, you know, I, I didn't think that Paul Daly was going to win that one either, just for the record. I didn't do any, like, official prediction on that. I thought that when uh, that when Larkin left the UFC, I thought that the UFC had just made one of the worst decisions ever. I thought that that was, like, one, just letting a, a major star just slip right through their grasp. Uh, almost, almost just like Rory. Like, to me, Rory McDonald... And, it's all opinion, and you can look at win-loss record and who he's lost to and who he's beat and all that good stuff. But to me, when I look at Rory McDonald, I see the most 
when he's healthy and at his, the top of his game, I see the most well-rounded person in that weight class in the world. Like, just as far as every aspect of MMA, if you look at it individually as, like, an overall fighter, of course he's lost fights, he's been knocked out, he's been in wars. But when the UFC lost him, I was like, what the hell are y'all smoking letting Rory McDonald go? And, and they've let it happen a few times now with some, with some big guys. Some have panned out in Bellator, some haven't. I, what's 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 coming up next for them? What's what's like the big stuff going on with them coming up? Uh, the next one is um, King Mo and Liam McGeary and um, Musasi. That's another one that they let go. Dude, yeah, yeah. Musasi's facing uh, Alexander Shevchenko or whatever. So that's that's um, that's a pretty solid card there too. And and uh, also I think Heather Hardy's on that card. So that's a good that's a good one. Well, shit, since we're talking about Bellator, I've got to ask you. You're the guy to ask. Do you want to see Tito back? Nope. All right. Hey, short answer. And I don't really want to see Chuck Liddell and Chael Sonnen either, but, you know, because I don't know if people pick up on it, but if you really get a good conversation out of Chuck, his his speech is slurred. Yeah. Like, he's taken a lot of shots to the head, um, which is weird because he was he was never really faced by punches. Until the end of his career, and then I mean, anything would knock him out. And at my point, if he's 48 years old and he goes in there, I honestly think Chell Sonnen could hit him with with 75% of his power, which isn't a lot, and it could be enough to knock out Chuck. Like, that's why he needs to stay away from the octagon or wherever the case. Well, I just figured I'd ask, you know, like I, I, it's one of those things where I, I don't, I don't either, you know, I don't want to see a lot of these guys anymore. I like Rashad Evans is another good example. He just talked about how he wants to stick around and I'm like, for what man? Like you were the champion. You, you were the man. Like there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with hanging up your gloves before you hit that, that big downslide. Not only that, he wants to stick, he wants to go back to 205. Right. Yeah. And he just will not pull the trigger. And him fighting at 185, it's kind of safe. He's not eating a lot of shots. If he goes to 205, he's going to get knocked out. He will get knocked out. Yeah. So. Yeah, do you, think, do you think it was that Machida fight? A lot of people point to that as kind of the, the when Rashad started fighting a lot differently. It's, it's bad. I think he's definitely done. 
Yeah, and no one could take away that Sean Salmon knockout. That was probably the most brutal thing I'd ever seen up to that point. Like, I remember sitting in my dorm room in college and watching that happen and being like, he just killed a man. I can't, I, that was nasty. We can, man. I, I can do this as like we can do predictions. We can do just MMA talk, man. I, I I don't get to do this enough, man. So this is awesome. Uh, I was actually there live in Atlanta for that Jones Rashad fight. Um, really? yeah, man, that atmosphere was awesome. Like that was the first UFC I'd ever gone to. Um, that was that was a. You know what? I think it was. I wasn't there though. I wasn't there live. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I've gotten to see some, some cool stuff live, man. Uh, speaking of, you know, we'll talk to John Jones here in a second. I don't want to forget to bring this up. Um, I live here in Nashville, Tennessee currently. And every time there's a Nashville show, they bring OSP because he's a Knoxville guy played for university of Tennessee. Um, that fucking St. Prude show. My God. I don't mean to laugh. I don't mean to laugh at him. That's not a laugh. It's just a funny scenario how this wound up happening. He, I believe, he was on a four-fight win streak coming into it, but he, but but he had been fighting at welterweight. He he went from middleweight to welterweight, so he was going from I mean, welterweight to light heavyweight. Yeah, 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 for sure. Thanks for asking. You're actually the first person to actually ask me that. Um, I'm I'm torn on it, but I'll I'll take a position. Oh, and by the way, I'll shout this out. I'm a big Ben Shapiro fan, man. You, I don't see a lot of them out there on Twitter. Um, so, um, you know, just for what that's worth, anyone who who hears this, I I, I don't label myself as, as like a conservative or whatever, but I I do I like that there's someone out there saying what he's saying, just for what it's worth. Conservative views, 
conservative doesn't mean we can't agree with them if I'm not a conservative or vice versa. Like, everybody wants to be labeled into these certain categories now, or they want you to be labeled into it. And uh, you're going to, in my opinion, Democrats can find things that Republicans like and vice versa. You don't have to be just labeled as this one party. This is what I like because I'm more on the conservative viewpoint. And yet, I'm not about, like, I gotta have my gun so I can go to the grocery store with my gun. Like, I don't care about gun rights as much, but, like, a lot of Republicans do. You know, God, family, country, like, that's kind of their, their, their saying. Um, not so much for me and, on some of those things. So it's just, it's, it's nice that you've got a, a Jew talking about conservative things and being called, like, a white supremacist from the far left. And it's just... It's crazy to me how he is being labeled into something that that he is not at all, and it's all because he's speaking out against things that he just basically disagrees from another party, and they're trying to sabotage his name. And it, it, but anyways, yeah. Right, yeah. Sure. Hey, but I know I agree, and I'm I'm glad that we brought that up. I mean, that's another conversation we could definitely have at another time, like because I'm I'm with you, dude. I'm with you. Um, as far as my views on USADA in the UFC, um. Man, I I think that it's doing the right things for the sport. I think that it's catching cheaters. I think that I think that it ultimately is a good thing. But they they need to change a lot of their procedures and the way that they relay information to the public. There there needs to be there needs to be a there it it isn't the, all the kinks aren't worked out of the system here because I don't while I think that USADA is the right thing, the the fighters don't have any bargaining agreement. They didn't decide to do this. Like, a lot of them fought for the yeah. UFC before this was in place. Same with, like, the Reebok deal. Same with the Fox deal. There's a lot of stuff that the fighters have gotten totally boned on. Well, I think we can all agree on that. I, 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 I just think that there's also cases where a few things I, I got to get through, I guess, to answer this question. One would be relaying the information. You can't come public with this shit unless it is 100% for sure that somebody failed the test because it's because it's happened where guys have, have their names are being dragged through the mud over things that really really weren't that big of a deal um it's happened to men and women um also i don't think it's fair that they're that they have to report to usada 24 7 and let them know where they are at all times when they are independent contractors so i don't i don't think that a guy like nick diaz should be possibly you know whether he wants to fight or not up to him I think that he, he wants to play a sweet spot where, like, he can stay in the USADA pool and fight when it's convenient for him. Doesn't want to come back after a four-year or a four-month uh, probationary period, all that kind of stuff. But but there, there's fighters out there like Nick Diaz or others that, you know, if they don't really want to fight, it's kind of up to them. Like, if they want to go around and smoke pot and do whatever they're doing, they shouldn't have to tell USADA, like, I'm here at five in the morning, come let me piss in a cup where I'm in the middle of something with my wife or like, I just don't, I think it's invading personal privacy a little too much. So I think, I think there, I think there needs to be a balance, but to ultimately answer your question, I think it's the right thing because it is catching cheaters. Yeah. Okay. So this is my thing though. Like Machida was suspended for basically taking something from GNC and it was the, the same as what you would get if you took steroids like John Jones, for example, a two-year suspension for something you took at GNC, 
Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. I don't. I don't want to cut you off, but I, the the only few times that I have been asked about this, like on Twitter, I do actually use Leona Machida as my example, as an outlier of somebody where the system kind of kind of screwed him. Same kind of thing with Chad Mendez, right? He he got popped for a, a cream that had to do with helping a skin condition, and it, you know, and it's like, were there banned substances banned substances in the cream? Yes, but. Everybody who needed to know that he was taking it knew it, and there's no way it was helping him in the fights. And and there's, and he was just doing it so his. I mean, he's it's a it's a treatment for something he needs, and and it isn't like it's TRT. It's not like a treatment to help somebody who maybe took steroids in the past get back to that level. You know, it, it so it isn't. But I'll 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 tip my hat to Chad Mendes on how he handled it though, because he said you know hey you know what I'll take my punishment because I think. That ultimately you saw it as a good thing, and I want the cheaters caught. I got caught. I need to figure out a way around it next time. Right. And so my thing is, though, is you have a lot of old fighters that are still fighting because they, they're not able to secure. They, they weren't smart with their money. They weren't able to secure a living. The money wasn't the same as it is now, vice versa, whatever. So they've already screwed up their body when it comes to the testosterone level by cutting so much weight all the time and by possibly doing steroids in the past or whatever. Well, their testosterone now is nowhere near what it should have been. Um, and now they have to fight younger people. So they took steroids to compete still at that younger age so they compete with these people that are, that are younger than them. But now it's kind of snowballed to where they're viewed as cheaters so it's very, like, a, I, I have a hard time with, right? So right. let's say that Anderson Silva right now is on steroids just so he can compete with Kevin Gaslam. And let's say that Kevin Gaslam still beats him. How much of it was Kevin Gaslam really at risk? And how much of it is just the UFC still needs Anderson to sell pay-per-views or whatever the case may be? Like, that's kind of where, like, the line to me is kind of blurred where... Like the Vitor thing, they knew Vitor was on steroids when he fought John Jones, and they didn't do anything about it because they needed a name and they needed a pay-per-view. And at the end of the day, yes, he almost broke John Jones' arm, but at the same point, John won the fight. Uh, Chael Sonnen was loaded on steroids to the gills, and John smoked him in two minutes. Like, so it's it's it's, it's difficult because to me, it makes me wonder how much does it really help, and does it break down your body because if you notice a lot of times like in other sports when guys are on steroids their bodies just start to break down because it, it, they can't hold up anymore especially when they get to that like 37 40 years old type deal so it's uh like it's so like with my case with like john jones is how good is he with steroids how good is he without and i don't think we're ever going to find that out and then that's when you have to really determine in your in your mind, how good was he? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and you know it's there's some def, some definitely some points I want to make on this. Let me make a note real quick so I don't forget something here. Um, you know, it, it's a tough one, man, because like I, I, I get all that for sure, for sure, and and you know I've made the the point before also like 
because I think they, I think some things need to be case by case, but like in a perfect world, there'd just be like like a limit, right? Of like this much testosterone and like X amount of whatever can be in your system, and it's okay to get you to this particular level, and that's gonna be different for everybody. Um, it, it's hard to say with John Jones in particular because John Jones has had these problems post USADA and not pre USADA, like with the with the with the steroid stuff. So like we don't know what he was taking before to begin with. You know, it's just we just don't know. But he's never been caught before now, before recently. Um, the Vitor Belfort thing, same kind of thing. But that was like the Wild West. I, I've also made the the I've also made the the point before, like in baseball, right? Like, like, I'm a pretty big uh, advocate, or uh, I, I agree with, like, the idea behind something like human growth hormone. Like, I think, that, I think that, that there's science out there now that can help people heal easier. It's, it's better on your body than doing it other ways. Like, there are, there are advances in technology and medicine that we shouldn't be totally ignoring either. So, like, I think there should be things that these fighters can take to put, the, to put them at that certain competitive level kind of circumstance to circumstance but it's just it's just hard it's just hard to to know exactly where where all those lines are and especially with something with fighting where you know it's different than hitting a baseball right like hitting a baseball you're gonna hit a baseball really far if you if you have the skill and you got the power but like in fighting you're dealing with this and then punching somebody or choking somebody or it's just it's just it's hard it's hard it's really hard to determine kind of what the right move is, but well, you could have another thing where you could have someone that is, let's say, you know, I live out in Houston. Someone has like a, a local Houston gym, right? And they're gonna make their UFC debut, and they're over there. And let's say they're facing somebody that's kind of a known UFC guy, and he's training at the UFC Performance Center over there. And they have different ways to test your hand-eye coordination. They have hyperbaric chambers. They have all this stuff. You can't tell me that's not performance enhancing for that person. Absolutely. It's definitely not a level playing field for the person that's fighting in just some little local gym. That's for so sure. Sure. It's 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 hard to determine how much like with performance enhancing, just technology in general is performance enhancing to where we are compared to where we were, you know, 20 years ago. Sure, even taking like a sleeping pill could be performance enhancing. It would help you sleep better, you wake up in better shape than you were when you went to sleep. Like, I, I, I'm with you. Um, what, what's your thoughts, man? Like, do you, do you like USADA in the UFC, or what are your thoughts on that? Hey, Dave. 
looking at $125,000, and then he might get like another 100000 win bonus or something. And he was the draw, and he was the pay-per-view draw. Right. Right. And Chuck would be getting around that same thing. And now Connor, you know, making like guaranteed $3 million, probably going to be guaranteed $10 million, you know what I mean? So like, it's hard to walk away when you're all of a sudden getting paid like $500,000. So... Um, I can understand why some guys do it. Uh, to me, with John, I think John is extremely insecure. I think John is extremely insecure, and I think that he, and no matter how cocky he comes across, or that doubts himself like there's no tomorrow. And he puts so much pressure on himself that he has to do something to make sure he will win the fight. And whether he needed it or not, I 100% think he's cheating. I 100% do not trust that guy. I think if you're willing to take cocaine and go out and party all night and do all this stuff, why wouldn't you take steroids? You know? Like, that could be a big benefit for you. You can win. Like, it makes sense for John to take steroids. Um, and me personally, a lot of people don't say it. Like, like BJ Penn has said this and stuff, but I That's interesting you said that about GSP. I mean, there there are people that that see that there's there's fighters that have mentioned that. I'm sure I don't know if I I can't remember like a particular interview, but I think I remember Nick Diaz saying a whole bunch about that too after they fought each other and that kind of stuff. It's almost like an underground secret that everyone knew he was on steroids, but nobody could like prove it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sure, and I'm not. I'm not gonna like. Uh, I'm not gonna accuse anything, but I will say like, the imagine like look at like guy like John Cena, right? And I mean he looks like he's done some steroids in his in his life, right? He's a huge, he's huge, and he recovers incredibly fast from injury from serious injuries. Um, 
I love John Cena to death. I, I he's a great, phenomenal dude. Love that guy. But if you knew that John Cena was doing steroids and, and you're in the WWE, like you know he's not getting tested like the rest of them. And are you really gonna say anything about John Cena doing steroids? It'd be like G- GSP, same kind of thing, right? Right. Like, if John Cena's on steroids, I could give a crap, you know? I, I could give a crap if Roman Reigns is on steroids, any of those guys. I don't care. It's a, it, they're, they're almost an actor, so they have to look a certain role. They have to look a certain way. And if steroids is an easier way for them to look that way without having to work out as much because they're constantly on the road and all that stuff, I don't care. And a lot of them don't care about their bodies or their well-being in the long run. I think they definitely care more than they did before. And so it's like if they choose to make that decision, then, yeah, go ahead. Fighting's different because you're inflicting, you know, punishment to someone else. But I just, like I said, dude, there is somebody to stop the fights. There is somebody to make sure that you don't take too much punishment. I just don't know how much it really changes things. Because I think you could load Josh Barnett on steroids all day long, and I think Steve Miocic would knock him out cold. Like, it's just the way it is. Sure, very fair point. And, hey, I'll bring this up, too. I'll never free. I, I'm a Josh Barnett fan, and but I'll never, I'll never really uh, think of him in the same light after he basically closed down the Affliction company. Like, the, the yeah. I mean, that was, like... I was like, my God. And he never really had any repercussion from it. I mean, like, a, an entire company folded, and he just got caught for steroids again. I was like, I was super disappointed about that. The last thing I want to say about John Jones, um, I think the biggest travesty in that whole situation um, isn't to John, it, it isn't to the fans or history, it's to Daniel Cormier. Because if John Jones didn't exist, we'd be talking about him as the best of all time. And... It's it's sad because you look at a guy like Cormier who like do I think he could handle some of his losses in in the cage a little bit better maybe but also he shouldn't be getting interviewed right after getting knocked out and that kind of stuff either but Cormier for all intents and purposes is the straight laced guy he's doing things the right way and he's and if this one dude wasn't around I mean he's undefeated at heavyweight and light heavyweight. And and he's an all time. He's probably the all time best I've ever seen. I just think it really sucks. And people don't give Daniel Cormier enough credit because they they look at him. Unfortunately, now more as like a well, you're the second best guy in the division. You're just kind of gifted the belt because the better guy's not around. It's like shit. I wish that guy wasn't ever around because this guy deserves way more credit than what he's getting. I think. Yes. Because if Daniel is the champion, but John is still with the company, it is always going to be held over his head. But if if, if you know that they're not going to fight again, and that you know they're John totally cheated, and we're going to cut ties, that's what you've got to do. Because otherwise, this thing goes over Daniel's head the whole time, and you know it's just you've got to move on. What else you got with the with the world of MMA, Doug? You got anything else before we get into the predictions for two sixteen? I could talk about this all night, man. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. How do you feel about MMA going to boxing and all that crap that's been going on? Man, I feel like I'm probably similar to you, probably similar to most people, and kind of our boat as fans. You know, I I think that. I think, you know, I thought the Conor Floyd fight was awesome. I, I marked out huge for that whole thing. Uh, I, I think... Am I the only one that saw the ninth round? 
Oh, dude, no, no, no. At the beginning where the, yeah, the ref got on there in the corner. The ref in the corner? Is that what you're going to talk about? Yeah, yep. There's not enough people talking about that ninth round thing at the beginning of the round. He can't. That momentum swing was huge. He had. A, he was. He was landing. Um. He landed some good uppercuts during that fight. He looked. I mean, for for a guy who's got a zero and zero boxing record, I don't care who you are. You go in there with Floyd Mayweather and look that good. For anyone to talk any shit about McGregor's performance in that fight, they just don't understand. Or or they're, you know, they just they just don't they just don't get it. And. As far as, you know, the, kind of the two worlds colliding, it's it's just kind of like a, it's like a, I, Joe Rogan would use the term honey dick. It's like, it's like, you know, it's just honey dick in us. Cause it's, cause, cause, okay. So Connor's talking about how he wanted to get Pauly in, into the UFC octagon with him. Right. And we, we just know that's never going to happen. There's no way that a guy like that. Right, but that's a that's a that's a murdering. I mean, that's that's a non-fight. Um, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I I just I just don't. I you know what? If it was someone, I I talked to. There's a guy Dante I had on my show a couple weeks ago. We talked about this a little bit. Um, and obviously these guys I'm going to mention would need extensive you know training on the ground to prepare at least for the possibility. But if you put someone like Triple G in a, in an octagon, right? His his cardio is insane. Like he can make it through a UFC fight. Um, his boxing, he's gonna light people up. But the ground game is just always gonna be so questionable unless you put him in there. Because because kind of my thing, I related it to. Obviously, I'm not I'm not comparing a guy like Triple G and Canelo to a guy like CM Punk. But we watched a guy like CM Punk do nothing but train MMA for two full years and then get smoked by Mickey Gall like it was nothing. So, you know, that's kind of where I'm at with that. One thing about that that bothers me is, is Mickey Gall is good. Legit as fuck. Legit as fuck. Yes. Like, they did not do him any favors. He ran through Sage. Yep. Right. Like punk is more about just smarts and like understanding ring psychology and stuff like that. Like 
he's kind of more of like that Dean Ambrose type athlete, right? But then, like, you know, somebody like, a, let's say, uh, I don't know, uh, someone like a Cedric Alexander or something, if he wanted to do MMA, like, that's a legit athlete that could, it, under the right training and stuff like that, Neville, something like that. Any of those guys, like, that makes more sense to me. Right. right. Yeah, I see what you're saying for sure. I, I guess the reason I bring that that up is is just because, because like the only example we really have from boxing would be like James Tony, right? Who who had no chance on the ground. Nothing. So like you know CM Punk we saw come from the outside, but then but I mean we saw a perfect example of it working with Brock Lesnar, right? When he came from WWE and the Vikings, the training that he had, of course he had the the entire life long amateur wrestling background so that yes right like that's that's almost like a complete background of what you need to get into the sport and and see a punk used to train jiu-jitsu all the time like on his off days and stuff like he was a big fan of that so he wasn't like he was like not a stranger to the ground and, and you know honestly like if see punk decided to do this like during his ring of honor days he probably would have had a much more success rate and it, it wouldn't have been as, as tough of competition. But, I mean, now, like, you ain't got a prayer. Like, no way. You know what I mean? Sure. But what bothers me is is that these fighters now think the only way that they can get true paydays is by going into boxing, where nobody really has any interest in seeing them box, and we're forced to, to lose our champions, we're forced to lose great fighters from the sport, for money to to get paid when honestly they should they should get this type of money in the UFC but I understand the way the UFC's business model is and it just doesn't make sense so it's 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 difficult you know because boxing's undercard is trash with a capital T yeah and UFC is is not like you could you could be looking forward to the undercard the whole way through and it might be better than the main event you know so. Oh yeah, yeah. It's frustrating. Yeah, and and I, you know, I think that some of these fighters are a bit. Some of the, the UFC fighters are a bit delusional. Not just the UFC, uh, all of MMA, I should say, are a little delusional on the boxing thing. Also, from the perspective of, I mean, you, you just mentioned it. Like, there's very very few guys from the world of MMA. Like Connor is a big outlier in this scenario that can go into pro boxing and be like a main event fight where like the cards built around you and you're on the poster. Like, you know, maybe a guy from, you know, Hey, uh, 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 who was it? Uh, MVP, Michael Venom page. I think he got a boxing license uh, earlier this year and it's like, okay, that's cool. I'm a fan of his. I want to see him fight. I want to see him. Com- I want to see him make money and be successful. But it's not going to be MVP versus Manny Pacquiao or Floyd Mayweather. It's going to be MVP versus some guy we no MMA fan knows on the undercard of a bigger show that MMA fans don't really care about. So they're not going to really make this money that they think they're going to make, I don't think. It might be more, but it's not as much as what they think. I think kind of what it brings, right? It's like, oh, let's say Stipe gets his wish and fights Anthony Joshua. Right. Like, you've got the UFC heavyweight champion versus champion right so that in a sense would make money i probably think stipe could get maybe like 10 million dollars which is way more than what he would get in the ufc but it 
it's really because of the prop that he has and not him. Connor doesn't need belts to get big fights. He is the ticket. So that is the difference. Now, if the UFC would let the Diaz brothers out of their contracts, I mean, I think that they can make a killing in boxing. I really do. Um, but that that's a whole other ballgame. You know what I mean? Right. But I, I just don't like the fact that we're losing great fighters to a much more boring, traditional sport just because they can't get paid good enough in the UFC. Well, that was my next point, and you alluded to it. You brought it up before, but... I, I think that that plays a bigger factor maybe than just the desire to box is, is really more so the issues some fighters are having or a lot of fighters are having with the new UFC ownership, the new way things are done, the, the overwhelming schedule. I mean, there's, there's too many fights, just straight up. There's too many UFC fights. Um, and this is coming from fans. I mean, shit, me and you have been watching this shit for how long? And even we're saying, like, there's too many UFC fights? Like... Oh, he's he's so he's so out. He's so he's so ready to count his money doing something different whenever his contract's up with the UFC. I mean, I definitely think he gets excited for the big fights, but I think he could give two craps about like a, a fight night on West Virginia. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't think he cares. Right. Anymore. Whereas before, whereas before he'd be in front of a a, a, scr- a media scrum of people. Talking about how awesome it is, they're coming into West Virginia for the first time. You know what I mean? Like they they used to there used to be so much, so much enthusiasm about it. And like I, I'm still a UFC fan, but I, and and I, and I will be till I die. I mean, I just it's it's a great sport. It's a great company. I'm attached to it. But like, there's never been a better fan a better time to be a fan of of something like Bellator. It's almost like the like the pro wrestling thing. Like there there are other companies like we were saying with top notch. Uh, talent. So that's that's another whole other subject, man. Where a lot of these guys, if it if it isn't pro boxing, shit, go talk to Scott Coker over there with uh, Bellator. Go talk to them over there with you know they got Viacom. They they're gonna pay you big money to to jump ship. Um, and the the loyalty factor is not there anymore with the UFC fighters and the ownership. They there's Frank uh, Lorenzo Fertitta is gone. Like he's completely out now. Um, you know, and that was a huge liaison between, you know, oh, I mean, he was the owner and he was, you were able to talk to him face to face as the owner of the company. Now, I think these guys are lucky to have any relationship with the uh, WME IMG group and, and Ari Manuel. I don't think that they have, he's like a, he's like a Wizard of Oz, like silent owner dude, just, just pulling the strings and trying to make money. Kind of like, kind of like the Al Heyman of, uh, UFC. Yeah. Right, and that's that, kind of same thing. But what I what I find frustrating is is they're looking for that next big fight, right? So they were gonna do John Jones and Brock Lesnar and all this type of stuff. But like, just keep setting up fights that earn ways to get to the title, and you will create stars. Hundred like percent agree. What you got to do, you got to make these fights happen, though. You can't like this Tony Ferguson, Kevin Lee. Somebody's getting elevated. Stars 
Sure. Well, and this is an interim title fight between Kevin Lee and Tony Ferguson that actually makes sense for an interim title. Like, this is, this is like, you know, two guys who are legitimately the number one and number two when Connor's not around. And, but, but that's part of the problem, too, is like, they have so many damn events that they feel like they have to put a title fight on every single show. So that's why this fight was initially made as a title fight, was because they did not have Demetrius Johnson versus Ray Borg initially. So they were like, well, let's make it for a title. But... And I, I, there's two points that I would want to make as far as why this fight should be left as the main event. Um, I think that, for one, it was already announced that Kevin Lee versus Tony Ferguson was going to be the main event of the show for the interim title. And you can't devalue the interim championship. But, but if, if, they, if they were to take that fight and lower it to the co-main event, then you're admitting that the interim title that they're fighting for is less important than a real championship. So... Yes. No, he hasn't defended either. And yeah, and my second point is you don't want you want people leaving during the main event, which historically has happened during Demetrius Johnson fights. As sad as it is, when he main event shows, a lot of the audience leaves before it's over.
That was actually that was actually my next question, and we're gonna do predictions here in just a second. But my but I did want to ask you. Uh, do you think Henry Cejudo would have been the right opponent for Demetrius Johnson, considering he won his last fight so quickly, took no damage, and he was he's actually stylistically uh, a much uh, more difficult challenge? I know I know DJ's destroyed him in the past, but Cejudo looked a lot better in his last couple fights. Yeah, he, uh... Yeah, he tried to push every... He tried to push Demetrius and the whole public perception towards DJ versus TJ Dillashaw, and then when that fell through, and it, and it wound up being Ray Borg, he just... Dana is just... Doesn't even seem interested. And, you know, I, I gotta bring this up, I, just because I'm thinking about it. You brought up Cowboy Cerrone... Makes you think about the welterweight division. Uh, Carlos Condit is coming back December, January, it sounds like. That that division is stacked. Yeah. I agree. And I, I, like, I like that Carlos is coming back. And then, like, who is, who is Cerrone fighting? Oh, Darren Till. Yeah, so you, you see him fight? Yeah, yeah, but this this is one of those, like, uh, so kind of comparison I can make would be, like, uh, Oh, I just saw a fight that the, the, the UFC was targeting. Uh, they were targeting Ortega versus Cub Swanson. Kind of same type of deal. Like a big step up for Till, but all but still a quality win if Cerrone wins. Right. This is these are all signs of the new, of the new regime, man, for sure. Um, all right, man, let's do some predictions. I'm gonna do. Uh, I just want to bring up. Just you were mentioning like the undercard of UFC 216 a little bit uh, a little while back. Just some names I'm just now noticing. I haven't like gone through this card uh, like thoroughly until just now. But Talos Lightus versus Brad Tavares on the UFC Fight Pass prelims. I mean, Lightus has fought for the title in the past. It was a long time ago, but he did. Um, 
Bobby Green versus Lando Venata. That's an awesome lightweight fight on the prelims of FSX. That's a good fight. That is a good fight. What do you What are your thoughts on that one, man? What who do you got? Because that that's a. I mean, I love both guys. That's a great fight. Yeah, yeah, he's got like a ton of heart. He he's won since then also like really impressively. Yeah, no, yeah, he's good. That should just be a good fight. I I don't know necessarily who I'd favor in that fight because I just don't know what kind of Bobby Green we have anymore. But I like that fight. Um, and I remember you know Bobby Green he beat uh was it Josh Thompson a little while back and that was a, that was a big that was a big W. Yeah, Josh Thompson back in uh, 2014. That's when I really took notice of him. And he uh he's lost 3 in a row since then. I didn't realize that. So um so big fight. Um Ill Will Brooks versus Nick Lenz. You mentioned it before. Uh who you got in that one, man? Yeah, I, I'm leaning towards Nick Lentz as well. I'm taking Lana Venata just for the record uh, against Bobby Green as well. I don't know. I, I don't know much about uh, the guys main eventing the FFX portion. Uh, Tom Dukovnia, maybe, versus Cody uh, Stammen. I don't know either of these guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you about those guys. I don't know. Yeah, I hate admitting that myself, but uh, these guys, I hate. I, hopefully, one of these guys, uh, or both of them, even better, uh, put on a show and leave me with something to remember. Benil Dariush is actually in that category as well. Um, I saw him in uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, a few years ago. Never really knew who he was. Saw him throw some like some you know flying knees, that kind of stuff. Him and Evan Dunham, uh, what's your prediction in that one? Uh, I'm going to go with Dariush. Dariush? I think I got Dariush in that one, too. Uh, Dunham's a little too hot and cold for my for my taste for predictions. Um, up next, man, this is one I definitely want to hear your your opinion on. Uh, we got Fabricio Verdun versus Derek Lewis. Uh, stylistically, this is like, I don't even know how to... Uh, every everything about this matchup to me just screams like Verdun should really have no problem here, but 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 Derek Lewis's punching power is obviously no joke. I just I just can't see Verdun's all round game having much issue with with Lewis. What are your thoughts on it, man? Just to me, 
rebounds eventually, and Alistair's chin just doesn't hold up. He had Alistair beat. He had Alistair rocked, and all he did was go for a takedown and grind out two minutes, and he lost the decision because he lost two rounds to one. So I just don't know where he's at in his career. I think that he's a savvy veteran. I think that it might be too much for Derek Lewis, but I don't know. In my opinion, Verdun should win this fight. But I feel like if Derek Lewis does win, then we're kind of seeing the the end of Purdue for the most part. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. And I, and I think it's definitely worth noting. You know, I did I did lose some respect for Verdun, how he was handling himself uh, prior to the Stipe fight when he was just like making these weird faces to the camera and stuff, like right before they were gonna fight. And I was like, what? I was like, what's this guy? Is this guy even taking this seriously? And Stipe went out there and smoked him. Yeah. So that was that was real weird. And, you know, personally speaking, I like Derek Lewis a lot. And I think that he brings something different to the table. And I, and I, I like his style. But I just think this is a really bad stylistic matchup for him. So, um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Fair. It's fair. Uh, up next, we got DJ and Ray Borg. We talked about it a little bit before. Um, I mean, prediction-wise, I, I can't imagine you're going to pick against Demetrius Johnson, but I'll give you an opportunity to make your pick. <laughs> yeah. And you just don't seem very impressed by any of it. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the right move. Uh, him going up after this and fighting, uh, and I'll give DJ. That's fair. That's very fair. Um, all right, man. And last, since we just got four card, uh, so four fights on the main card. Uh, Tony Ferguson, Kevin Lee. Uh, we broke it down a little bit beforehand. You know, I, I think that Tony Ferguson is about the best overall well-rounded guy they've got in that division right now. Um, I think it's a travesty that 
we just can't see Khabib fight more often because I think he's just that outlier in the division who's like, I mean, I just it just sucks knowing there's this guy out there that can do what he does to people, but he only fights like so rarely, and you can't you can't you can't put big fights together against Khabib at this point because it's just too likely he's not going to show up to the fight. Um, as far as what's available, Ferguson and Lee. This is such a tough one for me to predict. I'm going to take Ferguson per his well-roundedness. Just straight up. Because I think he has a better overall game. And a little more experience. Yep. Man, a lot of stuff could happen. talk to you all night man but we'll cut it off there that that'll that'll do uh that'll do at least two podcasts maybe three um but i appreciate your time doug uh let everyone know where they can find you at and just anything else you want the people to know about Check out my YouTube. Um, I should start.
wrestling, diehard Cowboys fan. Uh, so those are probably the things that I would cover on my YouTube page. So. Dude, well, I hope to see you on YouTube more often. Um, I'd love to get back the days of you and True Slayer and all those dudes just going at it over just all these wrestling philosophies and just different fan perspectives. And uh, it was a fun time back then, man, just being a fan watching it and then kind of knowing you guys now and stuff is, is kind of a trip for me. So I really appreciate you doing shows like this with me because it's, it's a lot of fun. Well, appreciate it again, man. And I'm going to put you on the spot right here at the end. If you get the YouTube thing rolling again, man, I, I want to be on that short list of people to show up on there. All right, Doug. Have a good one, buddy. All right. And that was, once again, Doug Bateman. Thanks again to Doug for coming on the show. Always a great conversation. Uh, whether it's pro wrestling or mixed martial arts, Doug is a great guy to have on. Super knowledgeable. If you couldn't already tell by those conversations, uh, make sure to give him a follow, like he said, on Twitter. Make sure to follow me as well on Twitter at FightTalk underscore. That's at F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K underscore. Got a Facebook group as well. Just search Fight Talk Podcast. Please uh, subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. And if you're subscribed on iTunes, please rate and comment. It helps the podcast out so much that I'm willing to give you some free stuff just for doing that. Just jump on there, five-star rating, uh, any comments you want, and I'll give you some free stuff. Uh, thanks to the sponsors that I'll mention right at the end here. Uh, but once again, it helps the podcast out so much. It really does. I know I say it all the time, but it is the truth, and I'm willing to give you some free stuff just for uh, subscribing, rating, and commenting. Also, please check out my merchandise at whatamaneuver.net. That is whatamaneuver.net. Got multiple logos, a whole bunch of colors, sizes, everything, uh, men, women, anything. Uh, all available to you at whatamaneuver.net. If there's something you're looking for and you can't find it, just hit me up and I'll make it happen. If you support the show, I support you. And speaking of support, thank you once again to my sponsors, WrestleRumble.com, Heroes and Legends, Brian Jensen at Delgado Boxing, and Williamson Brothers Barbecue. Thank you very much for listening, and I will be back soon.